Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And we're still quarantined. Yeah, but still podcasting and coming thick and fast these days. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, I guess we have a little bit more time for recordings and editing. Yeah, but I was reading something that was saying that the uh, number of listening figure, the listening figures are going down for podcasts generally. And I guess that's just because people aren't commuting or doing the other things that would normally give them a chance to listen. Yeah, I think that our numbers are kind of in the usual range. So thank you very much for listening, dear subscribers. I was going to say both, both of them are still listening. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we appreciate, and we know who you are, and <laughs> so I was. Well, yeah, well, we're going to chat about um, some of the COVID-related tech stuff, um, mm-hmm. and it's been interesting just seeing some of the, you know, what's changed, what hasn't, what's going to last into the future, and you know, some people reflecting that the digital bubble was being burst because it wasn't protecting us or silly stuff like that and then also just seeing just how much people are using technology to you know do work um but also just some of the amazing inventiveness and uh just fun that people are having with it there's a guy in the uk who just of his own bike set up a, a, a quiz calls it the virtual pub quiz on youtube where he basically maybe 10 rounds of questions and then does a YouTube live where he sits and reads out the questions. And I think he's up to something like 150,000 viewers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we did it with a, a set of, with, you know, using just watching the, the, the YouTube stream to do the questions, but then using WhatsApp to talk to my sister and her family down in Bath, uh, the next door neighbours through the wall, mm-hmm. you know, and just having great fun with it. Oh, the opportunities are amazing i mean i think that uh, there is a little bit of catching up right now from the mainstream in the sense that uh, i have noticed how some marketing some brand communication is starting to become covid-19 <laughs> aware probably as yeah. of last week uh, but uh, the creativity of regular people that started doing new things, even a number of uh, YouTube channels I follow, uh, I think it's very interesting how many of these, uh, you know, YouTubers, I guess you can define them, uh, have changed and they are doing everything, anything from them. And some of them yeah. are actually quite good. And it's, uh, and, you know, even mainstream shows, they just shoot them on iPhones. And, you know, turns out that that's probably another one of those uh, jobs where you start wondering, yeah. do we really need all those studios yeah. and people? Yeah, and, and also just the focus on the kind of people in the stories rather than the cleverness of the technology is, is a good thing, you know. Um, but it's, it's also interesting just watching, again, the reaction to a really interesting development where uh, being able to track who's had infection and who's encountered them and what the risks to those people are is kind of conventionally a really difficult thing to do and takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. But of course, with us all carrying our mobile phones around with us, and the phones knowing where we are and knowing who we're next to, that prospect of making use of that technology to, to track connections came up. And just really interesting, again, watching Apple and Google getting together in a, in a you know, in, you know a new way. They haven't done this before. 
And you know, for me, taking some comfort in the fact that Apple, through the way they do their Find My Device stuff with Bluetooth and piggybacking on other people's phones, they've already got a really secure way of being able to connect devices and information and whatever. And the idea is that the, the health authorities will you know, have identified somebody who's been tested, who's maybe had the infection or whatever, and then that will then alert you that if your device has been near to that person, you'll get a trigger and you then go off and get checked as well. And it's just really, it's got really interesting ramifications for privacy, um, whether we're comfortable with this, and whether we put up with it for a short period of time and then we'd rather we hadn't. <laughs> Who knows where this will end up. I'm I'm so relieved of the f of when Apple and Google announced it that uh, they are taking care of this um, because uh, all we were hearing before were various organizations uh, around the NHS yeah. or other public healthcare organization working on apps and say I don't trust the no. people at all at all I mean that they have they have fucked up <laughs> so many times I mean it's in, in Italy I just read yesterday the they lost a whole bunch of data coming from GPs about people that probably were infected and it turns out that the reason they lost the data is because uh, they were like not checking their email and then messages got deleted I know. and it's like I know. okay these are the same people who would be in charge of developing and tracking app okay <laughs> the fact that Apple and Google are creating a base layer and all these organizations will just work on top of that, yeah. make this whole architecture way more secure and way more robust. And uh, I mean, I honestly, I trust Apple. I, to some degree, I also trust Google. I mean, if they do such a thing, I'm pretty sure they are going to do it, having the, the privacy of users at heart. So Yeah, they've got some pretty hardcore geeks in the organization who who'd really do care about these sorts of things and but also it sort of relates back to what you said in the last podcast about the ability that companies like that have to do things at scale and i saw an estimate that between the two of them they can get to three billion mo mobile phone devices um which yeah. no other organization is going to ever be able to do really no absolutely i mean i guess that the only slightly troubling thing is that uh, they are going to do this only with the last version of their, their operating systems, which basically yeah. means that you're, the people who you're leaving behind are usually the poorest yeah. group. But, I mean, I guess that the, the, the whole idea here is that you don't need to track everybody. You just need to track enough people to get to a critical mass to to be able to quash this so well it's a hell of a bit hell of a lot better than all the alternatives really isn't it so it's it's you know yeah i, I think it's also very interesting how all these uh, all these uh, aspects are connected i mean it doesn't it, it makes sense to have extensive testing only if you have tracking it makes sense to have tracking if you if you yeah. can then test stuff because you know the way they described. I was reading an article. The way they described. The way they described this was so you have this uh, app to begin with running on your phone. The app is basically sniffing all the USB, all the Bluetooth devices uh, in a, that you know it can find. Is keeping track of 
you know the list of everybody that you got in touch with uh, or that you got near to and if at any point you develop the disease you can notify your authority the app will be updated and everybody you got close to will be will receive a notification at that point those who will receive a notification will have to self quarantine for 15 days yep. now this means that everybody who goes on the tube will have to be quarantined for 15 days after a while because yeah, you get enough density you know, yeah. it's it's uh, so i guess that the the true solution to this is everybody who goes close to somebody will need to be tested see if he got it and if they did get it they will need to be cured otherwise they will get they will be able to you know keep running on going on with their life yeah. i mean if you live in a crowded places chances that you will get within 15 meters for somebody who has it are incredibly high every day and if you haven't kept up with the testing uh, at a similar pace then you could have people who've been told that they've been near somebody but there's no means of testing them so they then panic and worry that they've got it and Basically, you would never leave your house again. I mean, basically, you would, especially if you need to go into crowded places. So, I guess the point is, it will be useful to know that I've been in the vicinity of somebody who has it, and then you know I need to be able to do something about it, which is better than self quarantine. Because otherwise, I think that anybody who needs, I mean, if you live in London. You know, what do you used to say that you're always within three meters from a rat? Mm -hmm. um, I guess that you're always within 10 meters from somebody with, with COVID-19, probably. It's interesting whether that changes, you know, if we ever get, to the, well, when we get to the stage of loosening some of the controls because the pressure on the NHS has reduced sufficiently, then presumably that also means that the density and the incidence has dropped, which may mean that the statistical likelihood of you sitting next to somebody drops, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's probably going to be a balancing act again, isn't it? And I think this was being proposed as a sort of an ongoing means of picking up if it's spreading again, as much as it was, you know, it's not really designed for the current situation so much as the future, I think. Well, I think that, there are going to be a whole number of things that will become standard and we'll need to deal with. I think that uh, I do think that some of it will be theater in mm -hmm. you know in the same way as we had a theater of security in airports after 9/11. Yeah. I mean we still will still yeah. do, which is not about it's not about actual security no. it's about making you feel safer because it looks like somebody is in charge of this so probably wearing masks or other forms of social distancing or i'm pretty sure we will keep having queues outside supermarkets mm -hmm. um, but then other aspects will probably be useful i mean being able to keep track of uh where you are, where where you have been, if you have been in the proximity of somebody with a disease, you know it's a good thing. It's it's uh, it. Why not? I mean, as long as we are sure that nobody's abusing. Well, us I, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the big if, isn't it? And and you know, in a sense, we're 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 back into trusting. And I'm not I'm not demonising the state when I see these sorts of things, but what what they think is an acceptable use might change over time 
our perspective of what's acceptable might change over time, but the functionality is now there. What do you do? Who keeps track of it? You know, it's all back into the whole ideology of algorithms argument again. Yeah, but I, I think that, I mean, in at least at this point in this solution, you still have a lot of uh, control in the yeah. sense that a you need a you need to opt in and as you opt in True. you can opt out True. and then it is you who are to notify that that's you true. have it that's true so you know it's uh, the the moment uh, anybody noticed that this started to get abused uh, you know everybody will jump off as you were saying earlier you know the the slowness and sort of lack of tech savvy of most government agencies means that, you know, the hackers, in the good sense of hacker, will stay one step ahead, as ever. And and we'll, we'll sort of notice things to be worried about sort of before they get away with them, I think. Maybe that's, maybe that's naively confident, I don't know. I think that there is enough change of behaviour in people and uh, understanding. I mean, everybody knows today a lot more about viruses and how they propagate uh, and uh, you know logarithmic scales uh, i think that all this knowledge will inform behaviors and uh, it's definitely large enough to change the behavior of a big large enough group of people to you know change things so whether it comes from governments, it comes from, you know, the community, it comes from large companies, organizations. It should, I don't think that we will end up in a situation like this again in the future. I think that we'll, we will be able to manage it in a much better way. What I'm a little bit concerned about is that... Uh, everybody is completely winging it and they will keep winging it for another few months in the sense that nobody knows how to turn lockdown off. No, um, well, we've not done any countries. of this before. Yeah. Exactly. So everybody's doing this for the first time. It doesn't look like uh, countries are learning from each other very much. Um, so I think we're in for another few months of suffering, but... Uh, at that point, the lessons will be learned and, uh, you know, the change in behavior, the change in uh, the way things are organized, uh, the, the change in the economy. I mean, this thing is going to this to create a, such a huge hole in the economy that it will have consequences. And, and that kind of opens up a topic that you know, I've been posting a bit about on my blog and people have been responding to on Facebook about, you know, me, me being half full and optimistic as usual, that... A lot of us are, you know, being forced to take the time to think about stuff and how we feel about life ourselves and our place and all that sort of thing. And just enforced uh, inactivity. And you start to think, well, do I need to be rushing around as much as I normally do? I'm sort of quite enjoying this. I mean, for me, an even more bizarre thought is, you know, I love going up mountains and we'll spend a lot of my time imagining the next one I'm going to go up and planning it and reading about it and sort of working myself up into feeling unhappy because I'm not doing it and I wish I was doing it and it's not fair that I can't do it all that sort of stuff and actually at the moment I'm just really really enjoying the little half mile circuit that I do around my house 
because I'm just noticing things. I'm slowing down. I'm thinking, why, why do I need to be somewhere else to enjoy being somewhere, you know? And I think with the, with the work thing, you know, we're all not able to buy as much stuff. You know, people are becoming cautious because they're not sure about money or where things are going. So there's less uh, ease with just spending money. Um, and we can't go around shops and all those sorts of different things. I think, again, we might just begin to get used to not feeling that we need to buy something at the end of every week or every month. Um, and, th and those things will have an impact on how much we rush back into being the same as we were before, you know. I think that the question is, how many people will, will learn from this? Because if I look at how companies work, for example, yes, it is true that some are embracing becoming, you know, fully digital organizations. But it's also true that a whole number of companies are just keep doing the same <laughs> stupid meetings. They just do them on Zoom. Totally. So it's not like they're leveraging the advantages of uh, of being digital and being flexible. They're just uh, trying to recreate the same behavior in a different space. And probably they're not even enjoying that very much because it's not as you know good as meeting in person. I mean, I was hearing about a massive big corporation that, that, that's becoming really, really dysfunctional um, and all sorts of unpleasantness and behavior, bad behaviors kicking off because they just don't really know how to do this. Yeah, so I mean, I wonder in, in you know in the same way, do really people buy less stuff? I mean, very often they probably are buying the same amount of stuff they're just buying online. So I think that this is definitely giving this moment. It's definitely giving us the opportunity to learn new things and to think about things, which is good. I'm you know. I, actually, I'm not even going out. I mean, I've, I've been out, I went out to buy some grocery uh -huh, today, and uh -huh. this was the first time in a week. But I'm not suffering. I mean, I'm actually enjoying this whole process. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, a lot of aspects and ideas and things. I like this space. I don't have... Uh, I'm not missing a lot of things about, uh, you know, going to the office. Well, I mean, that's something else I've had some, but, you know, you get the usual virtue signaling online where people are sort of, if you mention anything about enjoying this, they'll say, well, oh, there's all these people suffering and all this hardship. And you know, nobody's suggesting that we don't care or we're not aware of the fact that there's some really, really shit things happening at the moment. Um, but also, you know, if we just rush back to normal, Normal was pretty shit for a lot of people as well. And there is that prospect of out of this learning ways to be less shit to each other. And, you know, some of the assumptions we've made about the uh, economy and about capitalist society and about success and how we recognise that and what it means, you know, if that means that somebody else ends up at the bottom of the pile as we crawl over each other. And maybe if we did less of that in the future, that wouldn't be a bad outcome of all this. Something that I thought recently is that this whole idea of going back to normal, it feels like the narrative is that, you know, we are going to go back to this uh, stable yeah. and unchanging state where th all things are good. What is really true is that uh, normal, you know, mm. with big air quotes, is not unchanging. Normal is changing all the, the time. Trick. I mean, the way we were we were 
two months ago was different from the way we were five years ago, was different from the way we were 10 years ago. So even normal changes all the time. What is happening is not that uh, there are periods where there is no change and period where there is change. I think there are periods where there is a very, very fast change and periods where there is a slower change. So essentially what is happening now is that we're going through a period of very, very fast change. It, it, it's impossible. So it's, uh, everybody needs to deal with a new reality. And in order to adapt to the new reality, they need to change. They need to adopt new use, new habits. They need to, to use new tools. They need to figure out how to do things differently. At that point, there is, there is no going back. We're only going forward. We will change back to something more similar to what we were doing before. Yes, maybe, but there is no erasing the last two months of our lives, right? And in any case, there will be enough consequences of this that uh, things will not go back to normal. So there is no going back. We're going forward. As, as we go forward, we will keep some of the change and we will discard some of the change. Humanity has sort of created this progress bubble for itself, you know, the civilization bubble that's sort of cultivated the idea that we are immune to the normal randomness of life, <laughs> that there's some sort of sense of moral right and wrong and you do the right things and you're okay and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, something like this virus just doesn't care. And it, it, it doesn't obey those, you know, nature doesn't obey those rules. And somebody said that, you know, that the, 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 the normal that we're actually reverting to is the pre conceit novel of how life actually works which is messy unpredictable and quite a lot of the time distressing yeah i think that you know it's uh, as we said last time it's uh, it's all about how to deal with complexity or complications yeah. if you want um the fact that uh, the more you keep people involved the more i mean i was annoyed this morning i heard an interview to um dominic rubb who at some point got very pissed off with the interviewer saying you know we won't tell you anything about the exit strategy because uh, if we give the wrong message people mm -hmm. die and the only message is uh stay home, save the NHS and save life. And he's like, really? I mean, you're not telling us the plan because you're afraid that, you know, <laughs> the moment you tell me what the plan is, I'm yeah. going to run out of my flat and leak other people down the street. I mean, it shows, what, it shows what, you what, what are we talking about? The rest of us, doesn't it really? And that, that's, that's the arrogance that's, that's being exposed in a way, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at countries that have been successful about this, like, you know, New Zealand or Denmark, or these are all countries who basically were able to share the responsibility with uh, and the information and the knowledge with the population. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really f have the feeling that both here and in Italy, all they are sharing is blame. They're basically <laughs> blaming. So the The curve is not going down because people are not staying home enough, which is not true. I mean, actually, both Google and Apple have published data about how much people move. Way, way less. I mean, most people stay home. But, you know, it's our fault because you don't stay home, protect the NHS. Oh, fuck. I yeah. mean, really? And it's, it's, uh, it's, 
Yeah, it doesn't feel very good being a citizen in this country these days. Somebody noticed that the countries that are dealing well with this are led by women, you know, and you've got uh, yep. Jacinda Ardern in, in New Zealand and Angela Merkel in Germany. And, um, you know, Angela Merkel's speech today was, was just a clear, lucid laying out of statistical information, <laughs> treating the listeners as grown-ups. You know, a lot of the civil servants and the health serv- service people that are visible are, are really impressive. But the sort of antler-clashing politicisation of everything just looks really inappropriate at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, there is... A, and and I, I, I totally fell for this in the sense that the other day I was developing in my mind this very satisfying theory that, that <laughs> countries with populist governments are the one faring worse. <clears throat> then I realised that actually the guy yeah. in Spain is socialist, so, yeah. No, that didn't, didn't completely work. Um, but it does have the feeling that, you know, if you look at Italy, the UK, the US, I mean, there's a whole bunch of countries that are think they're struggling to deal with the situation, mostly because they tend to give simplified solutions to complex problems, as we said again and again. Yeah, and the sort of trust me, I'm in charge kind of stance the increasingly yeah don't yeah but this is trust me it is trust me and i don't need to tell you anything that's right i will just i will just give you a slogan and uh, a logo and you have to deal with that that's right i i i, I posted yesterday a fake new sign that is uh, the the exit strategy sign is going to be go to work protect the hmrc save the economy <laughs> This is this is. I think that this is a good candidate for the for the exit strategy. I I love some of those memes that go around. I saw one the other day there, which was, um, you know, in this country, people have been uh, prompted to get out at eight o'clock on a Thursday night and all stand and cheer and clap the NHS. Oh yeah, tonight. Well, indeed. So, yeah. Somebody else was suggesting that maybe on a Friday at around eight o'clock we could get everybody who voted Conservative to turn out at the front doors and shout sorry. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that the real problem is that you say I, I'm I'm not very familiar with the British politicians, but it's one of those things. If the other party was in charge, would you feel much better? Oh, I, no, I think there's a general healthy scepticism of uh, or cynicism about politicians, um, but yeah, exactly. I think there. Well, the, the sensitivity around this was the fact that you know prior to this, to the. Conservatives were really gunning for the NHS and, uh, you know, all sorts of moves to privatise big chunks of it and all sorts of stuff that will be really interesting to see whether they're able to get get away with after this. Oh, I don't think... I think that uh, this event is basically redefining the meaning of public health across the whole planet. I mean, I think that uh, everybody will realize that uh, the only way you can cope with this is uh, by having a huge uh, socialized uh, public healthcare system that uh, can take a hit. And only governments are big enough to be able to deal with this. 
Um, so uh, besides, I mean, no private corporation will ever, I mean, this is not a good business, but the viruses are not a very good business uh, if you are in healthcare. I mean, it may be a very good business if you are in other spaces, but uh, I mean, if you look, there is plenty of company whose uh, stock is skyrocketing, but there was an ar- interesting article last week, I think, about yep. um, somebody who was basically theorizing that uh, there will be this major gaslighting after the event where they will just try to raise from our memory what happened and how government behaved and how company behaved and how brands behaved um which i mean it was quite pessimistic but uh, also incredibly realistic i have seen how brands have changed started changing the pace i mean i, I got last week a, a white paper from a marketing agency saying oh you know all your customers are stuck at home <laughs> consuming content uh, you should take the opportunity to craft content for it's oh, like oh, that ambulance really? chasing is horrible isn't it it, it it was it felt so and just bad. when you think linkedin couldn't get any and worse uh, it does it's full of that <laughs> yeah so yeah, I mean it's uh, it's. Uh, I think that we will we'll see positive things. Yeah. We'll see negative things. I I'm afraid that the, you know, long term memory of people is not very very developed. So, who knows what we'll remember? One of the reasons why we're recording this podcast is for future memory. <laughs> we'll need to come back here. One year from now, and listen to these wise anthropologists world. in the future or excavating tapes dug out of buried buildings. Yeah, we'll be there, and they will wonder who the <laughs> fuck ever moved this thing on a tape. I'm pretty sure that by this time they were recording on digital. <laughs> Something I was thinking is that uh, I I like doing these weekly calls because uh, our literally it's a call and we just have a chat and you know if anybody's enjoying this uh, we're we're you know I, I think it's very positive but I must say that uh, probably this podcast is helping to keep me sane so wow. I, I want to thank my co-host wow that's a heavy responsibility Paolo yeah but well, then the feeling maybe the feel- you'll <laughs> fail we'll let the listeners be the judge of that Um, no well I mean the feeling's mutual Um, and I think again we're sort of you know we happened to record ours and this was why we did it in the first place you know we were having these chats anyway and we just thought we'd record them but it's this luxury of being able to just blether in a way that I think a lot of people are having the pleasure of themselves these days you know just I know I've connected with more people over the last two or three weeks that, you know, I might always have wanted to, but just didn't make or find the time to. And also just that wanting to reach out and just check they're okay. Um, I'm seeing that all over the place. It's it's a great time to reach out to people. I mean, you know exactly where they are, right? (laughs) It's uh, it's, not going anywhere. On on Easter Day, I just left my Zoom room open for the whole day and just shared oh. the URL with a bunch of uh, you know family and said you know if you want to check in, just connect. I'm here. That's cool. And uh, yeah, so interesting times. Indeed. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you or hear you or whatever you'll hear us the next time. 
Bye. Bye-bye.